Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. Today I'm chatting with BCBA Gabriella Nelson, who is the CEO and founder of Lively Behavioral Solutions. And on Instagram, she is known as the Behavior Chick. And we found her because we just love her reels. Her reels are hilarious. Please go check her out on Instagram. So today, Gabriella and I are talking about parent consultation. We all know parents are the most important part of our team, but how can we set up systems to ensure that they know that role and we are communicating effectively? So we are all on the same team and really pushing our goals forward with consistency and getting more progress. So whether you are a teacher or a clinician, this episode is going to be super helpful to how to really level up that parent consultation piece. Hi, Gabriella. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me today. So I am excited to talk about parent collaboration. I think this is something that we all know is important, but it's nice to spend some extra time thinking about how we can be a little more purposeful about this. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the most fundamental parts of our jobs as maybe educators or paraprofessionals or teachers. So I'm really excited to dive into this today. So obviously we know it's important, but let's kind of give a little refresher. Why is it so important to have a parent as a meaningful member of the team, whether that's the IP team, the therapy team, whatever it is, why do we need parents as an integral role within this group? Yes. So parents are 
the most important role in our process. This, their involvement helps us our treatment, no matter how great a professional or teacher or anything you are, it just helps the treatment be more effective and the delivery of it becomes more efficient to children. And when you see the parent involvement, you really start seeing that difference. And then you want to have the parents buy in. They want to be a part of that process. They want to help. And so when you have the parents consistently being provided feedback or giving you feedback or helping with these recommendations, helping with maybe the generalization of the goals. It just really makes the whole process run a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I like that when you even said like giving you feedback because we should be getting Mm -hmm. feedback from parents too. Yes. Like, hey, we've been trying this. Like, can we do this a different way? Or, hey, I know you've been working on this goal, but I actually find that this is more needed right now and maybe given some environmental circumstances or something they want to move to another goal even though that was important before they want to really put focus on a new goal maybe body training more than I don't know maybe toothbrushing or something like that sometimes we just see those differences in what the parent finds like hey this is actually making things a little bit more difficult so can we focus our attention right here and if you don't open that communication where the parent feels that they can sometimes they just feel like oh well they're the professional maybe they know better but we really open that communication so that their voices can be heard and they can know okay like I am just as much a part of this process if not the main part of this process yeah no exactly that prioritization piece is everything because if they don't see the importance or like huge need of that goal like yeah why of course why are you going to buy in yeah exactly and that's what I find is so I guess important in our field um, of applied behavior analysis or maybe in the, the teachers that are working with the children that when these parents have that buy-in and understand what's kind of happening or how that intervention's going. I'm not saying give them all the information and use all the jargon and really make them learn all these things, but when they just know where everything is headed, they really understand the big picture and then they feel more involved and then they know, okay, like this is why I'm going to do it. I think the biggest, I guess, misunderstanding is the difference between reinforcement and punishment. So I guess I'll kind of go into it a little bit. Like reinforcement is just an increase of behavior. Punishment is just a decrease in behavior. And so when you explain the difference of parents, like punishment works in the moment. Research shows it works in the moment, which is why we stray away from that. But reinforcement is going to increase the behavior in the future. So this is why we want to move this direction. When you explain that, like, hey, yeah, right away you might not see that. And, like, historically, I would think we've seen in school systems and maybe just how our grandparents or parents raised us, we've seen maybe just, like, let's just yell and get this over with. Let's just give the kid a detention or give the kid a referral. And what people often miss is that reinforcement in the future. Like, yes, that kind of works. But then it also validates, like, I wasn't doing something wrong. Like, hey, my parent would just tell me, hey, cut that out. And I, and maybe 
that was the case for them and I think for a lot of people and when you understand when you have these parents understand okay that punishment is only in that moment and that reinforcement is actually it's going to take longer it's going to feel more like a marathon rather than a sprint (laughs) but it's going to really benefit the child in a better way because now he's not being told hey no maybe hitting your head against the wall instead we're going to use our words and we're going to say this it gives the replacement behavior so much more value and that reinforcement going into it and it just becomes a long-term benefit for that child now they know okay and I'm really big on positive phrases I don't say hitting this a lot you'll see me say let's use our kind words like let's be gentle with ourselves if it is something like (laughs) hitting their head against the wall or something which we do see it really just changes the focus and so I think when you explain these things to parents and they understand oh that's why we're doing this then it's like then you have that buy-in and then you can help them learn these strategies and they just feel so much more part of the process than that they can make a difference too. That that's a great example on the reinforcement versus punishment because I think it's great to really point out that like hey yeah you may notice that like when you use punishment it does work in the moment right like mm-hmm. hey if you if you raise your voice or if you put you know move a kid to time out something right there your that behavior is going to stop but you know mm-hmm. our end goal here is that the behavior doesn't happen again in the future so like that's a great example mm-hmm. on explaining the longevity and really the why behind even things that seem basic, like, oh, reinforcement, punishment, but I mean, how frequently are those words used incorrectly and misunderstood, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. And I honestly wish they would change the word punishment too. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Punishment, I'm like, oh man, like people are just going to automatically think like, oh, of course you want to use punishment. Like, I don't want you like screaming at my kid or like saying to my kids, like, no, no, it could be as simple as, hey, the kid in the classroom that raised his hand and got the question right, you praise them. And you're like, wow, great job. The whole class started clapping and that kid does not like attention. So now he doesn't want to do that ever again because he got all this attention that he didn't want. And that could be punishing too. And so people just miss that. Like, punishment is a decrease in behavior. It could be looking like things in different ways depending on the function. But yeah. It really is. And, and no one so would look at that it. scenario and be like, oh my gosh, everyone clapping, that's punishment. You'd be like, no, that's that's a compliment. How great. But yeah, it's so obviously depends on the individual. And and it, yeah. and then having when you're working with parents or even with other clinicians or teachers or paras, you can use the exact examples of that learner. Like, hey, you know, you know Johnny, you know, when Johnny does this, like you can have those specific examples mm-hmm. about that child, which really makes it make even more sense. Yeah. Definitely. And so, yeah, that's just kind of how I approach it. And I really try to train my like supervisees and my trainees the same thing. Like explain this to parents because I'm not a parent. Like I don't want to teach you how to parent. I know behavior and I like I have my field of expertise. And I know that when you are using those strategies, they're probably working for you and letting you know research supports that. Like, yeah, it, it worked in the moment, but let's help you in the future and let's help your child in the future get to where we want to see. Yeah, exactly. And you know, no one like no teacher or, you know, BCBA is going to wake up and be like, Hey, I'm going to make sure to leave those parents out today. But it happens sometimes unintentionally, I think just because of how busy Mm -hmm. educators and clinicians are, how are parents sometimes unintentionally left out of the process? Yeah. 
I definitely think there's a few ways that happens. I think the first one is just being that lack of communication. You're not providing that those regular updates or regular feedback. That could just make them feel a little bit left out. And I know I'm more primarily in the home setting, but I think this can apply to teachers too. I really try to encourage, even when I'm not there, because the RBTs are there more than I am. And so I try to teach them also, hey, like tell the parent at the end of session, like, if you think that you noticed today that we're progress or maybe something that was a struggle, let them know and have a conversation. So I really encourage just like a two to three minute conversation. And I know a lot of parents, I mean, sorry, a lot of teachers do a great job too about those communication logs sent back home. Like those daily check-ins are just so crucial for these parents to just kind of know what's going on. So I think that communication being one, um, I see like the limited involvement in like the therapy sessions too, I guess in the in-home setting, like sometimes I'll have got parents that came maybe from other companies or other supervisors or something. And they're like, well, I thought I could just kind of like sit out, maybe my laundry, make the kid food and stuff. And like, yeah, there are some opportunities to do that. Sometimes we're running session in the living room while the parents right there cooking some lunch and then we're going to transition to lunchtime. But even if just like one or two activities, get them involved. And like people miss that. And I know insurance kind of requires it too, is parent participation versus parent observation. They're observing everything is very different than them being involved in actually implementing these things. And when they actually participate and they're involved in that process, you see it more and you see, oh, why are we working on this goal or what is this um, aiming towards? And so sometimes that's not as noticeable by just observing. And like when you're participating and you're like, okay, that's what we're doing. That makes a lot more sense. So that's a great point. And when, when you get a new client, do you try to clarify your expectations for parents on how often they are involved? Because I could definitely see that if you're coming from a different clinician or a different company, you know, there's probably different expectations at each, you know, at each company. Definitely. That is my next point. It's actually expectations. <laughs> when you set those expectations in the beginning, it is life-changing, not only for you as the practitioner, but for the parents too. They want to know what's going on. If you set up that from the beginning, they know, okay, they're going to meet with me once a week. This is how we're communicating, maybe on a weekly or daily basis. And this is what they expect from me. This is how often I need to be involved. So they get that. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. those expectations correct too, but also so that they know 
going to the next point of after expectation is that insufficient training. They know how often I'm going to be in that training because I see that is a big reason why maybe the parents get left out sometimes is because there's not a lot of training or maybe efficient training going on to effectively implement the strategies that are taught during the therapy session. So that can just lead to maybe frustration and confusion. It can limit the child's progress too, because we're only there a certain amount of hours. If these behaviors are actually reinforced outside of session too often, or maybe these goals aren't implemented, really ABA should be in the home setting a short-term process. And when I say short-term, I should operationally define that and I don't want people to think just a few months, but it should be a few years. You don't need us forever. We just mm -hmm. need to help maybe decrease some of those problem behaviors we see, like self-interest behavior or aggressive behavior, kind of teach that communication to replace those things, maybe some self-help skills to help the child. But really, it should be a short-term service. And if you train the parents to be able to deal with these situations, know the functions of behavior, that can translate all the way into adulthood for a lot of these clients. So it really is beneficial. That's such a that. great mindset to have of like, hey, this is, we don't want to be here forever. We want to like come in, mm -hmm. empower you, teach you. Like if you, even if you think something like prompt fading, like if we could teach prompt fading, whether it be to a parent or a pair or whatever, like that skill is going to, they're going to have that forever that you're eventually yeah. not going to have to be there to be like, okay, now let's prompt fade when we teach how to make a cup of coffee when you're 19, you're, you know, your adult child is, is ready for that skill. And they're going to know how to do that already. Yeah. They'll know how to make that task analysis. They'll know how to do the prompting. How can I break this skill to my child or what visual do I need to make? And a lot of the times I see there's a lot of problem behaviors with person with these posts like maybe they're flossing and they're hitting their head on the walls and they're hurting themselves or they're hurting others and like that can seem like a lot you're like what do I do and I think another benefit of that parent training is breaking it down into those four functions of behavior you don't need to know how to handle every behavior what do I do if he's hitting his head what do I do if he's hitting other people what do I do if this 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 that can become so overwhelming you have these nine or ten things you're trying to remember all these things and those functions really help us bring it into four functions of sensory was it an escape was it to get attention is it to gain access to something why is it happening okay now I can address it okay let's give this communication let's give this communication because I think that's the first thing parents always ask me and maybe in um the school setting they don't have as many of those parent consultation hours but even like handouts and stuff explaining those functions and like what to do in different situations and really explaining that um, behavior intervention plan they're written for these kids is so beneficial because then the parents don't feel so overwhelmed like okay there's all these things like break it down into maybe a sheet or two like hey let's learn this and oh maybe you can make it interactive like hey these are the things that are happening and this is reason why so let's say the kid's hitting for access to a tablet okay let's put a blank space what can we do hmm, we can give them the words like to say yeah so now let's reinforce that and give them a tablet every time they use the words and then a lot of people will say okay well we don't want to give them the ipad every time at first you might want to at first every time they use the words you're going to give the ipad and then fade that off a little bit like, okay, now let's wait for five minutes. 
okay, let's wait for 10 seconds. Okay, let's wait for one minute, five minutes. Okay, hold on, we're off into the iPad right now. First, we need to do homework, and then let's have the iPad. So you can kind of feed it in that way too, which I think is missed a lot of times. Like, oh, nope, I said no, and so we're not going to have it. And that can lead to a lot of problem behaviors too. And so you want to fade that. Yeah, so I think like you, like you did it just there, talking through what that process looks like and kind of even what you mm-hmm. said, like with a behavior plan, not just being like, hey, mom and dad, caregiver, here's here's your child's behavior plan for the school setting. But like instead, let's talk through like why we set up the behavior plan this way and and the mm-hmm. the functions of behavior and what, you know, fading our reinforcement schedule is going to look like and, and kind of even talk through that. And I love a simple handout, like, because let's be real, no one's going to read like the 15 page behavior plan. Even if you do, it might be just yeah. complicated and jargony yeah. and not easy to get the big picture from, you know? How do I do this? Yes. But what if he's hitting? What do we do? So yeah, yeah. having something like short and sweet that, you know, if that meeting is overwhelming that a week later, you could be like, oh yeah, let me look at that one page handout. That seems doable. Mm-hmm. And you are the queen of handouts and like visual. Love, love a handout. <laughs> I think it's because like I'm such a visual learner that like I mm-hmm. personally struggle when I like attend a workshop or a conference. If there's like if someone's presenting with no slides, I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna sit here and space out for a while. Like I can't. That's not how I learn, you know. So I I always get it. I'm like, you need you need you need the visual. <laughs> Yeah, we need the visuals. I know all my parent trainings, it's like I have the, even if it's online, I have the whiteboard out. I have things like I'm like drawing things and I'm like, look, this is going to go over here and like, this is happening. Let's put an arrow. So we need to do this or else what's going to happen? Like we actually reinforce or punish it or something. So love the idea of having, yeah, just a whiteboard's a great idea too, just to like draw stuff and have that like, you know, super simple, but like, again, has that like visual component to it. Yeah, definitely. I've overused the whiteboard all the time. Anyone that's ever had parent consultation with me knows that. I'm like, here's all this stuff. I'm like, this is what we're going to do. So really, even as I'm talking, just simplifies it. Like, see, even though I may be talking a few sentences, I can break that down into just a little sentence. And then look, let's put that arrow over here. This is what we're going to do about it. Yeah, so I really encourage that. And it really just helps with the structure too. Like if you are in a parent consultation, I kind of run pretty much most of my consultations. It kind of varies depending on if there's like IEPs or things like that. But for the most part, I always start out with a success story. It's very easy for parents to, and the practitioners to just be like, okay, what are your concerns? That's really overwhelming. And so I want to focus on the good things. Like, hey, like, First, before we go into anything, what is our success stories? Like what happened this week or today or maybe this past month that you noticed this has been awesome. And the parent usually will tell me something and we celebrate that. And we're like, that's awesome. And usually it's because of the parent's involvement. And I, it's also reinforcing to them, like, see, you've been practicing that goal and you've really helped with that. And so that's encouraging. Then I go into the concerns. Yeah. And I talk about the concerns. And then I also have my lesson plan for the day and sometimes we don't get into the lesson plan sometimes the concerns we can go over we can find the functions of maybe some of those concerns or maybe if it's a goal that needs prompting or something like we were talking about we can kind of go over that I write it down my whiteboard so here's your concerns here's what you're going to do and then that can be the homework for the parent for that week and when I say homework I don't give the parents like pages and pages of homework to fill out like 
one or two things that they could practice would probably take them five minutes out of the week. Most parents end up practicing it more often than that, but I don't want to overwhelm them or make their lives any more stressful. So I'm just, hey, like, okay, we talked about this. This is a big concern of yours. So how about try this for five minutes this week and then message me, message me how it went. Or sometimes the next session I'm at, I'm like, hey, remember when we talked about that yesterday? Like, okay, I'm here today. Like, let's practice in about 10 minutes, okay? And then I go over it. This is what you're going to do. And then they can implement it right there. And then I can give them feedback on the spot, whether that's, yeah, you influence perfectly. Keep that up. Keep practice that this week. Or, hey, let me show you just a little bit different of a way of how to do that. And then I model it for them. And I'm big on BST training, too. So if you're yes. a teacher out there or practitioner. Like for parent consultant, BST training is it's called behavior skills training and it breaks down the skill into explaining the skill, modeling the skill, having the other person actually implement that skill, and then giving feedback. Love behavior skills training. And I like that yeah. like it's it gives you like a roadmap. Like if you're like, oh, I don't know where to start with like teaching this para or you know, helping this parent do this. It's like, no, here are your steps. There you go. Just like wash, rinse, repeat. This is you use these four steps and it works. Yeah, definitely. I love yeah. starting with the positive story and then kind of having that homework built in because you're really setting up a lot of opportunities to give positive feedback, you know, to be like mm -hmm. to give that empower moment of like, look, you did that. That's great. Yeah, definitely. And I'll be honest, some of the weeks, the homework's not done. I go to the next parent consultation. They're like, sorry, I didn't do it. And I'm not like, oh, man, you didn't do the homework. I'm like, we're going to do it again this week. Just like we would with any of the kids we're working with. Like, okay, let's try it again. Like, that's all right. You didn't, I'm not grading you or anything. It's yeah. Just, okay, let's try that again. What's your advice for your first time meeting a parent, whether it's in a parent consult or if it's a you know, teacher meeting, new parents, a back to school night or the first IEP meeting? What is your advice for walking into those initial meetings? Yeah, definitely introducing yourself first and foremost, of course, providing that background of your experience. And that's establishing that trust and that credibility with the parent. Like, okay. So who are you? Like, what service do you offer? Like, what kind of experience do you have? Okay, now we have that. And then you want to listen actively to them. So before I even explain everything, I just go, hey, like, maybe, like, what are you looking for in a school setting? Or maybe in, like, um, our in-home therapy sessions, I'm like, hey, like, what brings you to this conversation today? Like, what are your concerns or questions that you have? Then you can kind of ask those follow-up questions. Like some parents that come to me, like their child was just diagnosed and they don't know anything about maybe even their child having autism, what that means, what ABA therapy even is. And so explaining to that really helps too. And just showing, hey, we play during session. The kids are excited to see us. We're going to target these goals naturalistically we're not sitting at the table like what's this about what's this about what's this about what's this about okay we got 25 trials let's move on no I'm you like Minecraft I'm gonna get some Minecraft characters maybe I'm gonna get some social stories of Minecraft characters and we're gonna play and we're gonna practice these goals in a fun way so just setting up that expectation of how are you gonna teach that skill because it seems really boring even when you're going through all the concerns or something <laughs> and like how are you gonna go through this it's through play. 
talking about children. We want to make it fun. We don't want them to think like, oh, they're at work or anything. We want to find their motivation and make it a really fun process for them. So then I kind of go into explaining that therapy process, what that kind of looks like, who's part of the team, what are the goals, how are we tracking it, why are we tracking it? And then you can set up those expectations like we're talking about. Okay, well, this is how often you're going to meet with me and this is what we're going to do. And here's your role. And like, this is how you're going to communicate with me. And I do provide your email at that moment or your um, goals. And I think with teachers too, and what I found, I guess through the experience of what I've seen over the years, especially those transition processes, if you are a special education teacher and or even actually a general education teacher, any teacher, <laughs> send a welcome email. And even if you don't have time to have this conversation with every single parent, have a sheet explaining these things and introducing yourself. And then do a little mini questionnaire like, hey, is your child potty trained? What does he need assistance with? With What is your concerns? Because oftentimes, yes, there's things on the IEP and that transitions over. But something as simple as that, that may not always be included on the IEP, which is really helpful and makes the parents feel like they're a part of the process. So when I see that used, parents are just so grateful. And then I've seen the other side of it where maybe it wasn't used and it's not anything the teacher did, did wrong. It's just that they maybe never had the experience of doing something like that. And then the parents are just concerned. They don't know who the teacher is they don't know what's going on like maybe they hear the name of the teacher and then they're like well how's this going to be how often am I going to communicate with you what's going on at school I need to tell you this like was the email there so if you just proactively wrap that up it really takes a whole lot of stress for those parents as well yeah I love that and, and because and also like you said like not everything's in the IEP but also the IEP mm-hmm. could have been done like in October of last year. Now it's August, you know, 10 months later, like maybe the needs have drastically changed from that IEP. So I know just a simple, and it can be something simple. Like you said, an email, a Google form that can be sent before school. Like like, I mean, I, as a parent get nervous sending, you know, my child to school without knowing a teacher, but I can't even imagine sending a child to school that maybe had limited verbal skills sending a child to school, not knowing really who the teacher is, you know, so having that kind of connection, it it starts to build that like trust and rapport between the educator and the parent for sure. Yeah, definitely. I love how you brought up Google Forms, because sometimes parents don't want to give you feedback, like we're talking about earlier. Maybe they feel like you can make those forms anonymous, you can send them to all your parents, or you can send them to all, like, even your staff members, honestly, I use them with and be like, hey, like, how could I be a better parent consultant? Or how can I be a better supervisor? What needs do you feel are not met? Like, what do you think I should add to the classroom that could make your child be more successful? Think like open-ended questions that just help them quickly answer a few things. And you don't even need to know the name of the child for some of those things. It's just, oh, okay, I could maybe communicate that better. Or maybe some parents like like the visuals more than you actually just telling them things maybe every day you're talking to them and they're like okay and they're so busy and then maybe the child's like trying to get to the car because they're done with school or something yeah. or they're done with session and they're like okay I'm like here I'm going and the parents like yeah yeah that's great okay and then they're like I have no idea what the teacher just told me <laughs> like sometimes yeah. maybe they want more of those visuals or just a quick I don't know even like Likert's 
scale of kind of like how the day go like even if it's just quick like hey today went really great or today like it was a little hard and maybe it's like one sentence like maybe there was an incident on the playground where the children were fighting or something like that it's just a quick excerpt of the day because you're right with a lot of the kids that are not verbal and we don't know it's really hard to tell and it really that's what helps the collaboration even between the school and in-home therapy too like I try to keep a constant communication with the teachers and I want them to do the same like because the session is going to differ depending on how the school day went like that the setting event is a difficult day at school like if you have a difficult day at school I'm probably not going to come in and have him do homework this I'm just saying I'm probably like, like hey we had a difficult day let's have fun let's ease into this or something like that so you know that's a great that's- point and that's something I feel like is not talked about enough is hey what what should the collaboration be between the teacher and the in-home therapy team because I know like unintentionally, I think sometimes that can like be this source of conflict. Like teachers feel like, well, I don't know if I should talk to them. The parents never told me or this and that. I've just heard they have in-home therapy, but I don't know what they're working on. And I'm always like, oh my gosh, how do you guys not all work together? But I get that too. It's like, you don't want to like, you feel like you're maybe stepping on toes. What advice do you have for teachers that may be like, okay, they know their kids getting in-home therapy after school. How can they create that like bridge of communication? Yeah. And I think it goes both ways. We think teachers can provide kind of maybe a little handout, just like we were talking about for parents, like, hey, what's going on? Like, how? here's my information. Here's my email. Let's keep in contact. But also practitioners, we do that too. So that's actually something I do in that initial meeting is I find out who services child, whether that's the school and maybe OT as well, maybe speech therapy as well, physical therapy as well. And all those collaborations are so important because it might be even something like, um, like I don't work on occupational therapy goals, maybe at, such as like fixing the fingers and maybe that the child has problem behaviors on homework. And it's something as simple as, oh, at school, we just say smoke fingers and they fix their fingers. And I can easily do that. I, I don't need to know OT. I can follow their plan and be like, okay, like let's use school fingers. And then they their fingers so it's more comfortable for them and maybe that's why they weren't wanting to do their homework because it's hurting them so that collaboration is so important and I establish that usually by email and sometimes the parents are sorry not the parents the teachers are available for a phone call too and that's even better because then we kind of just go off each other and kind of like a conversation like me and you are having right now like hey what's going on? How do we do this? Like, what are you doing for right here? Okay. Is there anything I should know that maybe also isn't just written in the IP because it was a little bit backdated and like, Hey, lately he's been doing this. Like, what are you doing about this? Oh, okay. I do this. Okay. Me too. Or even getting the same communication. Like for example, I just had an IP meeting last week where we tell the child to take a break and he goes into a, um, maybe bag or couch and gets to relax when he needs a break that's that means sensory bin and so we had to figure out to tell him like hey you can ask for a tool for sensory and then you can ask for a break because he was getting confused sometimes I'm like why what is he looking for when I'm saying break like what does he want and if I'm mm-hmm. like, okay it's because they call it something else so sometimes that language and be so helpful for the child because they're being taught something in one setting. We need to generalize it to the other setting too. So we know kind of what's going on and 
we only know that through that communication, through those emails. Just make sure you get a release of information form signed by the parents before you're talking to the parents. Or sorry, yes. sorry talk to the teachers, occupational yeah. therapists, or speech therapists. Yeah, it's so important. Even something like you said, as simple as like the language. I mean, that that's huge. And that's going to really build mm-hmm. consistency on either on whether it's something you're working on at school or from, you know, the in-home setting. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. All, all the, basically the theme is just communicate. <laughs> yes. Communication. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Gabriella. I think this was a lot of great, you know, valuable information on really how to kind of level up that, that parent piece. And I know everyone knows it's important, but I think the better we can do it, the more consistent mm-hmm. our goals are going to be implemented and like the happier our kids are. Right. Yeah. I think it's, really under talked about and like we are trained a lot on supervision and a one-to-one training and all these things but when it comes to parent consultation there's some research out there and there's a lot of good books that I follow like Ruby curriculums or um, the ABA essential handbooks or I know ABA visualized has one now too there's lots of books and things you can follow to that process that have visuals already built in or have any of the Ruby curriculum has those videos to make it more relatable for parents to understand but yeah all those things really help well thanks so much where can people go to learn more from you um i am the owner of lively behavioral solutions so you can go to livelyaba.com also on instagram i'm known as the behavior tricks so you can type that in and you'll find me give some fun tips sometimes or some (laughs) just fun things to relate to and so that's a great place to reach out to me, ask me questions, or just follow me for information. We love your reels. We love it. Thanks. <laughs> I love all your resources, too. You have amazing resources to help uh, all these parents and educators and practitioners. So thanks for well, all thanks, you do. Thanks again, Gabriella. Yes, thank you, Sasha. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, 
everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.